Hey there, ACL Nation. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we took a little break for the holidays, but we are back for another episode of Around the ACL. And how was your holiday, Trey? Did you have a good, relaxing time? Trey was better than all of ours, I think. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I said to... relaxing was the key word. Yeah, no, mine was pretty go, go, go. I mean, we went on vacation, went on a cruise, got to go to my wife's happy place in, in Disney, Disney world. So, uh, we got to do a little bit of that. So it was, it was, uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, it, I think I need a little vacation for my vacation though. I need like a day, uh, <laughs> just go, go, go. But no, it was, it was, it was, it was a good one. What about you, Anthony? Yeah. A couple episodes back, we talked about, I was on the hook for Christmas. Oh yeah, happened. you were. Yes. Yeah. So we were uh, 54 deep. Um, so my pro partner from the last couple seasons brought Bob Bronson, um, is all my mom's side of the family. So, um, there were 54 there. My mom is one of six. So all of their, or seven, actually all of their siblings and my cousins. And then my, all my cousins now have kids. So there were three, actually four generations, uh, all in the house. So it was packed. It was fun though. It was, it was, it was a good time. Potluck. I didn't have to cook. Oh, that's no, the best way good. to do that's it. Good. <laughs> Everybody bring I something. Guess the- I guess my first question to you, Anthony, is did you guys do like a tournament with 54 people? So the lab, the lab turned into the Christmas table. So uh, okay. my 45 oh, foot nice. run of the lab, which is typically a, a single court, uh, turned into the Christmas dinner room. So fair enough. Nice. <laughs> nice. Trash, dual purpose lab. Bags. Dual purpose lab. Dual purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I saw you throwing some uh, cornhole on the, on the ship or at Disneyland. Where were you? All right, so <laughs> I I played I played we had like a tournament on the top of the uh, love it the cruise ship you cleaned out win. right Trey you cleaned I did out. not win I did oh, not win <laughs> in fairness in fairness they, I, I need to get I need to I need to cover myself here for a little bit and this is cutting into our time okay. but I feel like this is worth justifying so here are the rules it was. No cancellation scoring. Okay. In the first round, it was first to score 50. Okay. So I was like, okay, this is great. So I played someone and I just, I waxed him. Like it was just some average Joe or whatever. We get into the second round and we only had three bags instead of four. And as bad as bad boards as you could, as bad as bad as boards as you could possibly imagine. So anyway, I I play this guy in the semifinals because it was eight people, right? And they go, okay, this is taking too long. So we need to go from 50 to 30. Okay. So you think about it, that's 10 bags in the hole and the game's over. Right. Now, again, you're going to have points on the board, whatever. So I played against this guy who I watched him in the first round. I was like, all right, I'm going to win this whole thing. I got to play my wife in the finals. This is going to be easy. First round, he made all three bags. So I'm and I made two. So I'm down nine to six. Second round, I made two again. He put two in and one on. He's up 16. He's got 16 <laughs> points through two rounds. He has made five out of six bags in the hole. Now the next couple rounds, I may I caught up, made it all the way 28 to 27. He puts like two in, and I had one in the hole, one on the side of the board. And one bag left. So I, if I hit an airmail to drag it, I won and I missed it. 
and and <laughs> then my wife goes in the finals and waxes the guy. Yes. It's like thirty to eleven. She just it just <laughs> throttles him. I'm like I'm like heckling this random dude named Fred on the cruise ship. I'm like Fred, where was this in against me in the semifinals? You had like a you had a out of out of a nine PPR, you were throwing a seven six, and now you come in here and you just just completely crap the bed. So so you were I'm, playing I'm, on probably quarter inch ply tailgate weathered corn bags, no, plastic boards. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, plastic even better. Bags. I literally had to give them my business card when we got done. I said, please call me. This is not good. It's not acceptable. I got you. It's not. I got you. <laughs> so your your boards beat my uh, Cabo boards when we were playing in Cabo that were yes, falling apart. Yes, your Cabo boards were amazing compared to these. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Got to get your cornhole in where you can. Uh, speaking of which, we have the college cornhole championship coming up uh, this week and uh, we'll be in Myrtle Beach and it's going to be super cool. So it's going to be December 30th through January 2nd. It's college singles day one, college doubles day two, and college teams day three. There's two ESPN broadcasts, Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for the singles, and Sunday, January 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern for the doubles. So, Trey, what are your overall thoughts and, and things you're looking for for uh, this college championship? Yeah, I was trying to think of a theme, and, and for me, it's, it's really college, we're, we're taking the step the next step in the college program growth um, because this year it's different. Um, you had, when you think ACL college, I think of people like Austin Slobom. I think of even people like Matt Stout, maybe even a Hunter Yacklin, uh, Timmy Jonas, you know, Blaine Rozier, um, all these people that have been kind of these Titans even had Draven Sneed, a national champion from last year. People that have dominated this division that you kind of expected, and all of those people are now graduated, or they're ACL pros, right? And so, to me, this is the first year where it. I don't come in with a lot of like knowledge of a lot of these different players, which is interesting. And so, I think it leaves the door open possibly for some people to sneak in that may have not had a ton of success previously to kind of make a name for themselves on this collegiate stage. So I think it's really just a wide open tournament at this point. Well, that's going to be interesting. How about you, Anthony? What, what are your sort of general thoughts about this? Yeah. I mean, general thoughts, if the NCCC produces baggers like that previous class and Trey, you went through the list. I mean, the, the, the game just continues to get deeper. I mean, we would, I think automatically go like to Austin Slobom who came out of the NCC uh, rookie pro this season, but then he gets snatched up by an elite veteran in yeah. Frank Modlin in doubles. He comes out, he finishes fourth in his singles bracket at open number four. He's a second round pick in the pro teams draft ahead of some notables like Duncan Clemmer and Matthew Stout and Sorrells and AJ Sims. So well regarded by his fellow pros. So, I mean, if we see some of that type of talent come out of the NCC, it's just going to be deep. I'm excited to see if that actually happens. Yeah, definitely. Now, are there any players that you're sort of looking out for, Trey, since this is kind of a wide open field? Yeah, um, it, it is a wide open field. For me, I, I'm I'm looking, and I kind of said this on ACL Live last night, I got a mix of players that are newer um, and, and also returning. So someone that sticks out for me is Noah Hughes. Noah Hughes is going to be the veteran. He has now played in this championship event. This will be his 
third season at the National College Cornhole Championship. So if there's anybody that you can label a veteran in this in this event, it's got to be him. So he's going to come in motivated, ready to go. He's been training hard. This is his Super Bowl, just like everybody else's. But he's been he's been wanting this so bad for a number of years. So does he get across the finish line and get a national championship under his belt? I, I, we'll, time time will tell. Um, I know a big one. I may be stealing something from here from Anthony, but, but Kobe Costanza. I mean, already already winning an open event in doubles tells me, wow, he is he is ready to go here in playing in um, this National College Cornell Championship. So he's played against the best in the world now. And although that open was smaller in comparison to some others and wasn't as maybe deep of a talent pool, it just shows that he can compete at that highest level. So I think. He's going to be a very um, you know, top-level player going to be there at the event. So, um, you know, and I, I think it's also worth noting that, you know, we have uh, our highest number of, of female competitors as well. We have two all-female teams that are playing in doubles. First time we've ever had an all-female team competing at the National College Cornell Championship. That's going to be really interesting. Um, so, but, but still, I think it's it's really going to be a, a, an anyone anyone's game when it comes to this National College Cornhole Championship. And I think that's what's going to make it so great. And it's also going to give us a chance to see who can play the best under the bright lights, under the pressure, all that kind of stuff. Round limited format again this year, so it gives us a chance for overtime. For those that are big fans of the ACL, you remember two years ago when the college doubles went into overtime – to crown a champion, Austin Slobom and Isaac Green end up winning that college doubles national championship um, in an absolute thriller of a match. So hoping we get to see some similar energy this year. Awesome. Anthony, any thoughts about any individual players? Yeah, Trey was right. I mean, if you look at that roster, uh, I'm looking at what, what, who from the this list has done something outside of college play and Costanza clearly sta standing out on that list, competing with the best of the best. Now, he won that doubles event, but this kid is competing in a solo style in these singles events, too. I mean, yeah. he's right there in singles alone, too. So I, I can't imagine not seeing him uh, on a broadcast. But like Trey said, you get to that final and that light. I mean, that one-pound bag now feels like five pounds with all that <laughs> camera weight and pressure. So who can, who can come through that is going to be uh, who's most successful on the broadcast. Yeah, actually, that's a good question. Do you think the nerves make you throw short or long? <laughs> short, I think. Short, okay. Yeah. Short, unless you overcompensate. And then you go to compensate. I was just going to say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, it, I've, seen, I've seen it work both ways. Yeah, I've seen it work both, way, both ways. Like, don't leave this short, and then you end up, you know, you end up being long. So it's – it's. And, and this uh, is – I mean, it's not – again, this isn't like Frank Maudlin getting on the big stage, right? Who's like, okay, I've yeah. done this 47 times. It's – this player has not only never been at close to a top level at an ACL pro event before, th th this is going to be a player's first ever time, maybe even on a live stream. You know what I'm saying? Like right. maybe their regional director throws some Facebook live matches for seven people up there, but this is going to be <laughs> someone that th they don't know how they're going to react. Right? right. They have no idea how they'll handle the big stage, which just makes it that much more fun to watch. Yeah. The most notable nerve bag that i can remember this could be end up in some like uh follies reel or something i want to say it was glasscock he gets this first bag and he goes first time i think it was his first time on the broadcast no joke he threw that thing about 15 feet up into the air and it landed about <laughs> seven feet in front of the board do you remember that <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it happens. It the happens. Worst part, oh, no. The worst part, he had to go retrieve his own bag. So he had to walk <laughs> out, get his bag, go give it to his partner. Like, oh, man, I felt so bad for that guy. Oh, I guess get it out of the way, right? <laughs> All right, that was it. Now we can move on and not do that again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Trey, one question now. Really I think fun. there's going um, to be a high school event as well, right? Um, yeah. Some, some type of a format on that too. Yeah, the National High School uh, Championship will be the first ever this year and a chance for some of the top high school players across the country to compete in the same exact events. There's going to be a high school singles, a high school doubles, and a high school team event as well. And this, the team format's really going to give us, uh, both at the college and at the high school level, uh, you know, a little bit of a taste of what we're going to see this upcoming season um, at the pro level. Not as many, not the same exact format. In this one, we're going to have one doubles team and two singles. So it's going to be a, a lot less people, not the full, you know, 14 players competing at the pro level. But uh, regardless, yeah, the high school um, is kind of that step one of launching ACL High School to to make it a, a competitive format for for a national championship. Is also getting high school involved in the uh, in, in in many schools across the country. But um, I know you got some hometown favorites in that in that high school event. Yeah, I got my eyes on a team, and these are some skilled baggers out of Colorado. They're representing Thunder Ridge High School. We got Jacob Tayer, Cooper Bingham, Gavin Hammond, and Jackson Remick. Very impressive how quickly they reached the advanced level play and making a bunch of noise at the top of the uh, the cornhole food chain here in Colorado. So I think these boys could take it all. I can't I can't wait to see them represent Colorado and represent some of the uh, upcoming talent out of, out of the western side of uh of the graphic. So. Yeah, I'm demographic. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm excited is, to see that one. There is talent over here. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner and see what he has to share with us today in terms of stats and cool cornhole nerdy kinds of things. Welcome, Mike. Hey, guys. Happy holidays. What's up, Mike? Yeah. Hey, location number four, Mike. All right. Our, uh, location we said we we're gonna number four, episode number nine. <laughs> yeah, it's well, he's grandpa Mike now. That's right. That's directly from the nursery. From Perfect <laughs> Nursery. This is awesome. <laughs> no, I couldn't I couldn't miss another week with you guys. Um, you know, we, we had the week off and, and the week before that, unfortunately, I was under the weather after that. Uh I, I think that draft did me in, you know, how many hours of broadcast <laughs> in a row. Um, so uh, I was feeling under the weather. So yeah, it's good to be back with you guys. I got a couple uh a couple statistical topics for you. Uh, but first of all, Trey, I just want to tell you, um, you know. You got the pro excuses starting to come in pretty good based on your your mm -hmm. uh, yeah. on, the, uh, on the cruise. I didn't even you know? mention yeah. the wind. Like I I could have I could have <laughs> put board. I could have put up the sun in my here. eyes. Like I could have I could have kept going, Mike. <laughs> the other guy threw out of his you know whatever you know yeah. come on no. So and, and by the way, now it's got in my mind. There's a new there's a new phrase: three bagger for the win. Yeah, three bagger yeah. wins three it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you got to remember That's that. That's new. <laughs> I did have All a three right. bagger to win, and I did not make it. No, oh. <laughs> you'll never get another chance to throw a three bagger for the win. No, I won't. <laughs> I won't. All right, so so guys, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question, um, Anthony. I'm gonna ask you it. Um, Hit me. Do we want to talk PPR differential or airmail first? Airmail percentages. I want, I want to talk DPR if we can. Okay. PPR <laughs> slash DPR differential. All right. We'll go, we'll go there first. So um, I think a few episodes back, I did a little bit of analysis and basically came to the conclusion it was too early to say uh, whether PPR or uh, DPR was more indicative of who was going to 
perform well in a tournament. So did a little bit more research, went back and looked at eight competitive singles brackets and eight advanced level brackets. Uh, so 16 total brackets uh, recently from um, the open number four. And here's what I found out. 16 brackets between the two. Um, seven times the person who had the highest PPR won the tournament. So seven out of 16. Nine times the person with the highest differential won the tournament. So nine out of 16. Slightly better. I'm not sure it's statistically significant, but a little bit of an edge to PPR. Um, you start kind of going down to just say, well, you know, winning when you're looking at something like this isn't necessarily everything. Who performed well? So um, when it comes to second place, the, the, the second place PPR, I'm sorry, the highest PPR came in second place one time. The highest differential came in second place twice. Um, third, uh, third place, highest PPR twice, highest differential once. So if, you do, if you're keeping up with the math here, basically if you've got the highest PPR 10 times out of 16, you placed in the top three. If you have the highest DPR 12 times out of 16, you placed in the top three. So pretty close. And I can point to specific brackets where they absolutely followed PPR to the letter. Bam, 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 right down the line. And then I can show you another bracket where they followed DPR right down the line. So once again, it, it really is tough to say. I think you can either be a great PPR player or a great DPR player, and you, you can have a great tournament either way. Well, yeah, that's I actually think, good news because it means there's, it allows different style of play. Yeah, 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 and I think, you know, I've always been kind of the uh, more on the PPR side, but to, to play devil's advocate on the other end um, is that I think where DPR is wrong – and can be misleading would be early in tournaments or in tournaments where you're not playing other top level talent. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because what you don't want DPR to tell you is you're, I don't want, I don't care if your DPR was 3.0 across a tournament, but you were playing against people that couldn't, you were playing against Trey Ryder on the cruise. Like, I don't <laughs> like that. Doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. Right. A DPR, of one point, a DPR of 1.7 in the final 16 of a pro bracket is extremely impressive. Extremely Absolutely. impressive. So right. th I think there's sometimes almost a timing element to it as well of where are you? What type of tournament are you in? And, you know, if you're in a conference, I even think a conference event or a pro event, you could still argue that DPR may be a better you know, measure. I just have – I kind of have an issue sometimes if we put a blanket label on DPR saying local, regional, conference, pro, anything type of event, you got a high DPR, this is someone to watch out for. I, I will tell you that as you get down lower in the standings, um, and I have not proven this statistically yet, but just based on anecdotal evidence, when you look lower in the standings, DPR is a lot more wildly varied um, once you get below, say, sixth place. You can have someone with a great DPR sitting there in seventh place um, or an absolutely horrid DPR sitting there in seventh place. 
and, and everything down below that. It's just very wild. PPR, I believe, tends to stay a little truer um, to to your your rank. Yes. But, yeah, I would agree with that. And the other thing to think about is what does your travel through the bracket look like? So let's say you went all the way through the winner's bracket. You never dipped down to that loser's <clears> bracket <throat> and played like a lower talented pool. You know, you're playing tough players every time. If you take a round one loss, let's say you take a 21-20 round loss, then you drop down to the loser's bracket immediately. You're going to have a good four game run where you're going to be playing players that you're more skilled. You're going to be able to beef up that DPR yes. basically is what I was mm -hmm. saying by yes. the time you get to good players. So sure. run through the bracket makes a big deal too. And, and to, and to that end, um, my examples, I'm looking at a bracket where players have played like six or seven, five, six, seven games. However, we all know that's not really a large enough sample size to tell something truly about the player that tells you how they did in that tournament. But if you're trying to rack and stack players, they need to start accumulating all those stats over multiple tournaments. And that's when those DPR and PPRs kind of start to average out and mean something. So. I'll throw something at you guys real quick, just doing a quick time check. I wasn't prepared for this, but I was also doing some DPR PPR analysis. Uh, I was wondering uh, if you were going to break out the graphs. No, I'm not going to. That, that's just that's just too crazy. But I will, I will point this out. Check this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze two baggers just really quick. So we had Devin Harbaugh finish number eight last season. Devin Harbaugh, we know his game, right? He's going to be a dirty style game. I expected his DPR to outweigh his PPR in the ranks of all the players. Didn't happen. Um, I expected him to be a top 15. He was ranked eight. So you'd think his DPR or PPR, one of the two, was ranked up there within the rest of the pros. Negative. He was a 21-ranked PPR and a 35-ranked DPR, but finished eighth. You know what that tells me, Anthony? That that tells me there's a third thing that's on my mind that we really need to look at and haven't delved into, and it's clutch shooting, timely shooting. For sure. One last one. Was, this one's even yeah. crazier. This one's crazier. Eric, Eric Davis. All right, we know what kind of game he plays. You would think DPR is going to be where it's at. Finished 12th in singles. He was the 45th ranked player in DPR. All right, so he must have had a good PPR. Must have had a good DP PPR, right? 134th in PPR. Wow. Yeah. How did he finish 12th? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that that make any he's sense. winning. He's winning with ones and twos, ones and two. I, I, I don't know. It's the only thing, you know, eight, eight, seven. It also tells me he's not blowing nine. people out. He's not blowing people out. He's winning a lot of close games, close which to game. me goes back to clutch, timely shooting. Yeah. That's so. wild. But wins. All right, so, wins. so the other thing that I did at the same time I looked all that information up is I said, okay, well, if we take not just the person with the highest PPR and the highest DPR, but let's look at the top four PPR players and the top four DPR players, and let's see how many times they finished in the top four. So um, basically the top four PPR players finished in the top four 31 times out of 64 possible attempts. So top four PPR right at 50% of the time will finish in the top four. DPR, 32 out of 64. So again, we're right there at the parity. 31 times out of 64 for PPR, 32 wow. out of 64 for DPR. So again, I submit to you, it's just two different styles of gameplay. You can either be great at PPR, great at DPR, or just really good at both. Um, Factor in that third thing, which is timely shooting, 
and that's really the the, the crux of the matter. Wow. So it's back to wins. Yeah, right. It's back to wins. So so again, I'm not willing to say either one is better than the other at this point. Right now, all the statistical evidence says that they both can be important, but neither one are absolutely hypercritical more than the other. So I came I came to the same conclusion, Mike. I just I couldn't with any confidence say one is better than the other. There was just no conclusive result. Right. Right. No matter how hard I dig, I can't find anything conclusive one way or the other. You know, I could I could chase a rabbit down in the rabbit hole and try to prove one or the other. Um, but you'd be just as capable of coming back at me if I did that. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So quickly the other the other statistic I wanted to throw out there was um uh, about a week or so ago, Kansas City Cornhole did an airmail competition that I found yep. very interesting. I don't know if you guys happen to see the statistics I posted based on that, but uh, we had eight elite level ACL pros competing in an airmail competition. Um, they played each other in an uh, eight person double elimination bracket, shooting 20 airmails per game um, and advancing. Uh, congrats to Matt Guy. He uh, lost his first round match to Ryan Windsor, 16 to 15. So that's 16 out of 20 to 15 out of 20. Crazy. But then he came back to win his next six matches in a row to take it, to take it down. Um, but here, here's the, the takeaway from the statistics part of this tournament. Um, all eight of the pros threw a total of 600 air miles and they hit for 356 out of the 600. So that's 59.33%. So, what I want to say is it kind of buttresses up to the stats that I've been pitching for quite a while now. If you can hit 50% of your airmails consistently, you're in good territory. If you can hit 60%, you've elevated to great territory. If you can hit 65% regularly, and I'm not talking one game, one tournament, I'm talking regularly. If you can hit 65%, you're an elite level. Matt Guy, through the course of that tournament, um, he threw uh, 140 air miles and he hit a hundred, which puts him at 71%. Yeah. And I mean, we have to mention that these guys are throwing only air mails. If I'm in a real match, I throw a block, I throw a slide. Yes. My air mail might be every ninth bag. I, yeah. I think your stats even go down a little bit more. In Absolutely. And, and you're throwing it open holes. You're not trying to hit the back quarter of the hole. You're right. on the left side to clip a bag and drag it. You're, these are just purely trying to hit open air mails. So in game situations, those numbers most definitely are going to go down. Yeah, 60% is the benchmark, right? 60% is what you're shooting for. If you can hit 60 you're not going to you're not, if you hit 60% you're not going to lose a match because of your airmail. Right. Mm -hmm. Never. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. So, um and then just for for giggles, I went back and looked last year we had the prize picks airmail contest. Um I was able to look up uh, the top 4 finishers there and uh coincidentally they threw exactly 600 airmails as well and they hit 401 out of 600. So wow. that put them in a little, a little higher pace. It was about 66.7 or 66.8% um, combined for all four of them. You add them all up. You add you know, the KCC tournament along with prize picks. It was 1,200 airmails, 12 elite pros, and they hit 63%. So yeah. there, the viewing public, that's where you need to be. 60 to 65%. Absolutely. Anything, anything above that, you're riding a hot streak. No doubt. 
Good stuff, Mike. All yeah, right. Thanks, Mike. Well, thanks for that. All right. We take are going to say goodbye. Yeah, say goodbye to Mike. <laughs> Three bagger for go, the win. Go take care of the grandchild, Mike. Yep. Got it under control. <laughs> of course you do. All right. Let's go ahead and roll into news around the league. Uh, we had a few conferences <clears throat> happening in the Mid-East, the Southwest, and the Mid-North. <clears throat> in the Mid-East, uh, advanced doubles, we had Trey Birchfield and Devin Harbaugh. Second, we had Gage Landis and Eric Anderson. And third, we had Henry Thacker and James Cumberland. For singles, first was Devin Harbaugh. Second, Connie Altice. Third, Steve Fry. And also third, Brian Nupp. And then in the Southwest, we had advanced doubles, Josh Gross, AJ Sims. Second, Grant Upchurch, Brandon Greger. Third, Caleb Batson and Eddie Grindersleeve. Also third, Mark Ford, Trey Vincent. And for singles, we had Jacob Foreman in first. Second, Matthew Creekkiller with a 10.54 PPR. Insane. Third, Matthew. Delbert Foreman. And third, Caleb Franklin. And uh, before I roll into the the next one, any thoughts quickly on those two conferences or that crazy PPR from Matthew Creekkiller? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, yeah go, go ahead, ahead Anthony. I was just going to say, Trey and Harbaugh teaming up at a conference is just mean. Uh, I mean, Trey is <laughs> Trey. Harbaugh throwing the best bags of his career right now. And then um, I did get hit up. Every once in a while, I get hit up by some of the pros, and they say, look out for this bagger. So uh, an ACL pro beast in Eric Anderson, he hit, hit me up a couple weeks ago and said, check out Gage Landis. This kid is ridiculous. So I did, because that's what I do. I watch Cornhole. Um, the kid's on radar. Uh, he's got this Holland-like throwing foot forward step, or step, beautiful bag. And then Connie L. Tice. I mean, we, we're saying her name again, deep in another mm -hmm. big bracket. I think I think Connie Altice is the real deal. She ran into Cody Henderson in that tur tournament, won that one 25-15 with a .45 DPR. Talking about DPRs again, um, just how does that measure up to last season? The number 13th pro finished with something less than that at a .44. So if you're close to a half a DPR, I mean, you're throwing at an elite level. So really excited to see her finish up. In a second, I, I think she's going to be bringing it this year. Um, just one more mention in the Southwest, uh, Mish. Gross and Sims, I mean, taking the ship out of the Southwest Conference is a good sign to me uh, that this doubles team, they're grinding back to old school Gross and Sims. And let's not forget that these boys were top 10 doubles team in 2021. They finished the uh, at number nine in that. So I was talking to Gross right before the show today, and he was emphasizing how stacked the Southwest Conference is getting. Um, we have, of course, Batson and Grindersleeve in that conference who finished out the pro season ranked fifth. They've got all this young talent coming in. We mentioned Kobe Costanza earlier, Peyton Morris. They're out of that conference winning and open. We've got these insane rookie talent coming in with Creek Killer. You mentioned his PPR. And Foreman, who I'm keeping an eye out for. And I'm really excited mm -hmm. to see Gross getting back. And he's finding a lot of success and comfort with, and this might get a little sciencey, but with the flat style resin bags. And we're going to start breaking the game down to that level of science. So he previously threw a round type resin where things seem to shift around in his hand a little bit. He's got a better grip on this with the, uh, with the flat resin. He's really, he's really enjoying the new grip on the bag. So gross Sims. I'm excited to see what these guys do uh, coming this coming season. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. Just real quick for me. I think the Southwest is it being overtaken by the state of Oklahoma? You know, a lot I of mean, there. Foreman, Foreman, and Creek Killer, right? <clears throat> Unbelievable performance at that at that event. I'm a baby bit concerned 
that I didn't see Eddie Grindersleeve anywhere near there. And I look, I'll put it this way. When I looked for where Eddie Grindersleeve finished, I had to scroll. Okay. Mm. If I have to scroll, I don't love that. Right. I, I didn't see who he played. I'm not, I, he can, again, he can get some Trey Ryder Cruz excuses going. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me, but baby bit concerned about Eddie Grindersleeve right now. Maybe say the same about Caleb Batson, but I don't know. This might be a changing in the guard right here in the Southwest that we're seeing in real time with the, the state of Oklahoma coming, kind of coming in hot. Hey, Mish, one more notable before we move on, because we haven't, we haven't mentioned these names before, and that was out of the Mid-North. Lonnie Williams is an advanced-level bagger who has the game to compete at the pro level. Uh, you know, this, this my guy is always deep in tournaments. I always feel like every time I see him in a tournament, he's deep. I've played him personally. I've watched him play many games. He has an elite-level fast game. He took second in the seniors' doubles at Worlds with his partner Ruben Martinez, um, and they went against the GOATs, Hayden and Dennis, in the finals in that one. And these are non-pros, and we should mention – uh, a welcome back to Ruben. I mean, COVID almost got him. He fought his way back. He's in winning now, winning open. So a shout out to him for fighting his way back Good. to the top. Um, yeah. Lonnie Williams also, I mean, he took third at open number two mm -hmm. in singles. The talent runs deep in his in that family. His son, Brian Williams, is a 2016 Colorado State singles champ. So I'm crossing my fingers that Lonnie Williams and Ruben Martinez go pro next season. I think they would be a doubles team to deal with. Uh, and you mentioned their finish in senior doubles. They won game one of that double dip against Philip Hayden mm. and Damon Dennis. Good call. Good call. They won that first game. And then Damon and Philip got them in an absolute thriller. I believe it was 21-19, 21-20 finish at the end there. Um, so, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you that, that uh, Williams and, and Martinez, who – one advanced doubles at this first conference event are certainly a team to look out for. All right. Let's roll into the USA Cornhole U.S. Open preview. It's going to have a, a pretty good lineup here. Thursday rounders all day for singles and doubles. Friday morning is the team's championship. We have an NBC Sports broadcast Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then Saturday singles and doubles championship brackets. So Anthony, uh, you're going to be the commentator or the broadcaster for this. You've been at other USA Cornhole events driving that ship. So talk to us a little bit about this event. Yeah. Trey's putting a lot of faith in me. He's handing the reins over saying, I can't do it all. Good luck, man. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of your, it's more of you. This is you. This is yours to own. You have it. Uh, I love it. This isn't me giving it away. This is you taking it. I love it, man. Yeah, so Earning two it, events. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there, there will be two events uh, for the USAC coming up this week. So in a future state, um, the U.S. Open Championship will be a U.S.-hosted event, and it'll be an open invitation to all international competition. So it's crazy to think that we're now talking world cornhole or international competition, but it'll be a team-style format. Um, so it'll be eight-person teams. You'll have four men in four women and they'll compete against other teams in five matches. So you're going to have a men's singles and doubles, a women's singles and doubles, and then a co-ed. So between those five matches, you'll have eight person teams. So it was actually pretty cool. I mean, this year the USAC saw interest from Ghana and India, uh, wow. some Netherlands, Europe, Germany, um, Ghana and Indi India actually attempted their visa applications. They couldn't get them in time. So that would have been pretty unique to have uh, some some cornhole players coming in from that you know, the other side of the planet, essentially. 
Um, and similar to the U.S. Open in a future state, we're going to have things like European Opens and Canadian Opens where they will host and then our U.S. US baggers will travel to their international events. So um, that could, that's pretty exciting. So just to name a few on this U.S. Open event, we've got a Team Wooten uh, showing up. There's going to be a Team Michigan. Maya and Donald Cup are going to come in with their crew. There's going to be a Team Fire Cornhole. Uh, that's to name a few. So they'll compete in the teams event as well as some singles and doubles. And then the second event, which uh, Trey uh, uh, mentioned about, or you mentioned about the broadcast to start, this one's going to be a, a U.S. versus the world exhibition. Uh, so this will be live on NBC Sports New Year's Eve from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and and, and uh, the USA team will compete against the world. So just to kind of mention the USA team, this team was decided back in October uh, at the USAC Nationals in Omaha. So our four men are going to be Frank Modlin, Ryan Windsor, Brian Schramm, and Stephen Gray. And then the women coming out on top of that uh, national tournament are Rosie Streakers, Samantha Finley, Allison Peters, and rookie pro Daniela Luna. Um, and they're going to be going up against a world team where we're going to have uh, some pros out of Canada, um, some international pros out of Canada, and some pros that are kind of well-known to us that have dual citizenship here in the U.S. So they'll be uh, featured on there. So the idea is the exhibition is going to build awareness and, and really create a setting uh, for our current U.S. national team to compete. So, uh, yeah, we'll go live on NBC Sports this Friday. Excited for that. I can't wait until we have all the different countries coming and playing. And this is just so – everything about it is so exciting. I love where it's going. Um, any wrap-up thoughts about this, Trey? Yeah, no, I think Anthony did a great job um, talking just about the vision for for what is to come. International broadcasts, we're right now in the process of planning – a Canadian um, broadcasted event uh, next year. We're looking at places in Australia as well to do broadcasts there. So I think there's going to be a ton of awesome um, development here on the international side. The USA um, versus the world event will kind of be the first of its kind, or maybe the second of its kind, if you count that WCO world cup that we did um, back in 2019. So, so either way, it's, it's going to be a great, um, great event. And I'm looking forward to actually, sitting in the front row of a TV broadcast and being able to heckle from the stands. So that's what I am. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. It's a lot of fun. To. Let me tell you from firsthand experience. It's fun. <laughs> uh, it's not a luxury I've had before. So uh, I don't know I'm, I'm if excited. we get hecklers, Trey, you might be the first. I don't, I don't remember sitting next to any hecklers. <laughs> no, no, I'll just, I'll just heckle Anthony when he finishes up. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. We've got buy or sell. So we are going to uh, talk about a few points here. And then Trey and Anthony are going to say whether they would buy or sell it. So the first one being Kobe Costanza is the favorite for singles at the NCCC. Um, I am going to buy it. Um, okay. I think he would be the odds on favorite. Um, I think he's the only one that has truly established himself as an elite player outside of the college rankings. Now, the one thing that goes against him is the same thing that goes against everybody. Once you get into a 10 round single elimination format on ESPN, you give up a seven in round number two. Yikes, right? I mean, yeah. so that's so that's what Costanza. If if I look at him and I say, "Look, you're one of the best players here. You're the favorite." 
you just need to avoid early game big mistakes. Okay. Play your game. You're going to be fine. I think he's the favorite. Okay. So you're buying it. Anthony, buy or sell. Yeah. I mean, Trey said exactly the way what I was thinking. The only thing I would add on is in a round limited format, I think it feeds into his style of play um, where he's a slower carpet style bag. It's there's less risk of making big mistakes, um, you know, with fast bags off the back or, you know, missing airmails where he's going to kind of keep everything around the hole. Uh, I think that kind of feeds into him that we saw Adam Hisner that worked for him, you know, in a, as a shootout champion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, buying. All right. Players in their second or third and triple C have an advantage by or sell. Ooh, see, I, I go back and forth on this one. Um, normally I would buy it. I'm actually going to sell it because I think personally that the specific players that are returning have not won before. And so pressure is building on them as time is quote running out for them to get uh, into a finals, to get that final, um, that, that final big win. So um, I think experience is nice. Playing under the big stage is nice, but I think someone like a Noah Hughes is going to feel a little bit added pressure because he's been here a few times and just hasn't been able to get it done. So I'm, I'm actually surprisingly going to sell it. So you're selling it because of the mind games that could occur for some of these players returning back. Whereas the fresh ones don't have that yet. Right. The beginner's Correct. luck, I guess. <laughs> All right, Anthony, what do you think? Buy or sell? Yeah, I'm selling as well. I think the only advantage to uh, returning as a second or third time would be if you actually made it on the broadcast, you know, yeah. having felt what that stage feels like, I think would be a huge advantage, but we're not going to see that. So yeah, I'm going to sell. I, I don't see an advantage here. Um, there's, there's a lot of the game outside of the NCC going on at a competitive level, but that advantage would be playing on a stage if someone showed up in that. So, game. so for, so let me ask you this. If I tell Noah Hughes did make the broadcast the past two years, not necessarily in both singles and doubles, but one or the other at different points. Do you think having known that him specifically now he's, I think he might be the only one. There might be one more, but if we're talking to him specifically, do you think it's an advantage? I do. I, I would, I would stand by that. I think that's an advantage. Now he's going to run into a beast in Costanza and if he can handle that dirty style game, which again, I think really promotes nerves a little bit, just because you you're staying around the hole. Um, I do think that's an advantage. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Zach Owings and Jake Brandon are the favorites in doubles by yourself. <clears throat> this one is the toughest one, I think, because I, I, a lot of the players, I don't know the doubles. There's like, I know one person on the team, but I have no idea mm -hmm. how the partner is. So I may buy this simply because I know what I'm going to get from Brandon and Owings. Owings is a player that quote went pro, but through extenuating circumstances, actually never played in a pro event. That's how he was able to get his college eligibility back. So he has that ability. He's played on a big stage. You know, he played in the, in the pro college invitational in 2019 or 2018, I should say. And that was a, you know, that was, that was cool to see him play that, but they're both solid players. And I know I'm going to get a solid player on this end and a solid player on this end. Costanza not playing doubles. 
there's some really high profile good teams coming out of Texas A&M. That's what the you know the the the, the people behind the scenes are chirping at me. Um, but I, I think I have to go with what I know, and I know Brandon and Owings are going to be solid. So for that case, I'm I'm going to buy. So you know they're solid. Just a matter of do they get met with some fire, and then right, right, and and again, I'm less confident in that one than any other one because it very well could we could go there. I see a team out of you know Oklahoma where apparently they're just like breeding great cornhole players right now, and they just <laughs> yeah. come out and they're on fire, and you're like, that's going to be the team to beat. But what, right. what I know right now is 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 those two are going to be solid. Okay, with current information, Anthony, buy or sell. Yeah, on this one, I, I can't buy or sell. I'm not familiar with those guys, but I thought I did see Costanza matched up with another Costanza. I, I tried to catch him before the. Uh, oh, before maybe the, maybe I missed it. <laughs> no, you're okay. I, I tried to catch him before the show. Did you just say you can't buy or sell, Anthony? <laughs> That's <laughs> the name of this segment. <laughs> there is no, no. Can I buy or sell? Michelle is going to rip you a new oh, one every single time you don't follow the rules. Where I was going with that is I was curious if you were familiar with uh, this other Costanza no. partner at all. Because certainly whatever quality that guy is going to bring in, um, if if Kobe just even gets a halfway decent partner, he's going to be tough to take down in doubles. And we've seen at the college level, look at, you know, no, no offense to national champion Isaac Green, but – Isaac Green is not a top-level bagger, but he won a national championship with Austin Slobomb, right? Yeah. Austin Slobomb completely carried that team. Carried All him. Isaac Green did was he literally stayed in front of the hole. If he gave up five points, it was because someone hit airmail after airmail. But most of the time, yeah. it was a muddied-up hole. He maybe got a bag to fall, and it was a wash, one point here, one point there. But he knew – if that's how he played, he'd get someone like an Austin Slobom to carry him to a, a national championship, and that's exactly what happened. And, and that is the strategy when you have two varying talents on a team. You turn to your partner and say, mm -hmm. just get in the way. Just put some bags yeah. in the way, and then I'll do yeah. work on my side. Yeah. That's my strategy. <laughs> so anthony you're selling then is that what I'm i hearing? couldn't buy or sell it wasn't fair for me to buy or sell i'm not familiar with those guys unbelievable or right, let's slide this guy <laughs> team usa goes undefeated at the u.s open broadcast buy or sell Trey. um i I mean, I got to buy it, right? I mean, yeah. Anthony's oh. Anthony, I know by default being the commentator has to sell it because he's got to – this is why I get to put him in this position because I'm not in this position now. Uh, he's got to sell it because he's got to sell tickets, right? He's got to sell the, the idea of watching it for suspense, right? It's a nail biter. Um, yeah, I think the one chance that they'll have um, – you're not going to beat Windsor, okay? I don't see you beating Maudlin and Peters. Um as far as women's doubles, I really don't see a beaten Finley and Streaker. Um, so if you have one, uh, I guess men's double, uh, maybe there's two, right? Your men's doubles team, your, your Shram and your Gray, I yep. think that's your one weak point. You could definitely see someone step in. Um, or your rookie ACL pro in Danielle Luna. I think Luna is an incredible player, but you get a rookie, you get someone that, only has a little bit of experience on that USA Cornhole broadcast. Someone that, um, you know, she played well, but I think Allison, Allison Peters, who lost to her, also had a very off game. 
in that final. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, if I'm looking for holes in my in my buy that USA goes undefeated, I think those are your two spots. Okay. Yeah, Anthony, Trey nailed it. Nope. Yeah, that Trey nailed it. Um, those are your weaknesses, and even with the uh, Shram Gray matchup, Shram's throwing really good bags right now. Uh, he's throwing fire. It's going to be Gray needing to step up to to carry that you know other side of the partnership team, and then Daniela Luna. She's uh, you know you, you're like well, she keeps showing up deep in these tournaments. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we're underestimating Daniela Luna. She's yeah. got some serious game, and uh, to say that she's a weak point, I think it's. I think it's if you look at the lineup, you're, it's a good call. Um, but she seems to on the main stage too, on a broadcast stage with the pressure, she always seems to perform. So yeah, not a lot of holes. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that uh, they they're gonna go undefeated. I, I know that doesn't sell tickets, but I, I'm all a, right. I'm, I struggle with blatant honesty, so uh. <laughs> appreciate the honesty. Last one, real quick. This is the most level playing field at uh, four and N Triple C ever. I, I got to say, buy yeah, I got to buy it just because I think, like I said before, all of your big names are gone. This is your, this is going to be the year of somebody else taking that baton and being a leader of the college division, assuming they don't go immediately pro after this year as well. So, um, <laughs> right. so that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Looking yeah, at that roster, nothing crazy standing out uh, from a, I agree. I'm going to buy as well on that last one. All right. Well, it's time to wrap up with our Holy hot takes. Trey, what do you got for us? Yeah, I, I I realize it's not that hot of a hot take after kind of going all the way through this sh uh, this show, but um, because it's a level playing field ever, we have a female make a final four in either singles or doubles at the NCCC. So love it. Um, so yeah, Anthony. What do you got I'm for gonna us? Feed, I'm going to feed off of Connie L. Tice's successes uh, in the conference discussion earlier in the um, in the show. I think she's going to be the best female bagger out of the rookie class this season. Okay. Fair enough. Well, mine is, mine is um, I'm probably not going to make it past midnight on our New Year's Eve celebration. In, in, um, <laughs> what? Or I'll make it to 1201. Um, that's my hot take. It's not that hot. It's very likely, but they're going to go with it. That's all we got today, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.